This episode of the Darko Audio Podcast is brought to you by NAD Amplification with Eigentac Technology. Click to nadelectronics.com for more information. Welcome everybody again to another episode of the Darko Audio Podcast. With me this week from Portland, Oregon is Ken Ball of Campfire Audio. Welcome, Ken. Good morning, John. How are you? I am very well. It's uh, it's evening here, morning for you. Um, you've just released two new IEM models, the Dorado 2020 and the Vega 2020. And th- I'm cutting straight down to it here. These are um your first uh IEM models in quite some time that have a ceramic ear shell. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, we uh we um we we had a ceramic uh as you know, the Vega um was a ceramic model we released a number of years ago. Mm. And um, we just had kind of a rough experience with ceramic because the vendors are were uh weren't really up to speed on our our, our geometry and getting it getting it um made easily so we had a hard time with ceramic in the beginning mm. um, so it's a kind of a long story but um yeah so we we found a better ceramic uh, vendor than the last time and uh, kind of brought that back so, so you, you i mean <laughs> i mean since you discontinued the lyra which was the first mm-hmm. um, and the ceramic vega, yeah and the vega and the, and the vega as well okay i did, see yeah. i think i missed out on the original vega but so since you kind of stopped doing those for a while, did you were you always sort of wanting to go back to ceramic or yes. was this just a, yeah, right. it's such a it, people I mean, I don't know, a lot of people don't know that how incredibly difficult it is to make the ceramic shells. I mean, they mm. literally have to um press it into the the form of the shell. And when they do that, it's like twenty or twenty-five percent larger than the final product, and then they have to center it. They have to basically put it in a kiln and heat it like to crazy uh-huh. temperatures and then it shrinks. And mm-hmm. so think about all the parts shrinking and having to fit. It's like, it's super hard. And then you have to polish it. So the process is um, for a complex shape, like our earphones are, it's, um, it's really difficult to get a good yield. And so mm-hmm. um, that's why the, that's why we kind of, um, kind of stopped using it in the past. It was too difficult. Right. To yeah. I guess the internal tolerances for, you know, parts assembly are very, very tight. Uh, oh, and yeah. if you get that wrong, then you have to throw the shell away, right? Yeah, and there's um, pop pro- there was problem with air bubbles, and it was just a really difficult um, part to make because of the shrinkage, mm. having to polish it, and our geometry. Yeah, let me back up a little bit. All of the things that we make in Campfire Audio were all engineered and designed in house, so we do it all mm. here. We don't hire someone else to do our engineering or design. So when we design these these shells um, in the shape of the earphone, uh, we do it. We do that our, ourselves. And typically, it's it's pretty funky. It's pretty weird. It's pretty complex. Mm-hmm. And uh, typically, when we go to a, a manufacturer, we're like, "Here's our 3D model. Can you make this?" And we always, in the beginning, it was always like. Oh my God! No, it's too difficult to make. We can't make it, or, or it's going to be like you know way too expensive to make because it's so difficult to make. 
Mm-hmm. And so what we ended up having to do is dummy down our designs. And I hated that because you're having to uh, compromise on your creative um, sort of um, vision. Mm. And so I got tired of having to dummy down our designs and we kept looking for, um, uh, you know, competent companies to manufacture our parts. And it just took forever to find people to be that could make what we actually drew up in the 3d model. Mm. Uh, and so it's, 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 um, I don't want to dummy mm. down our designs. So, uh, this, the ceramic was no, no different. It was the same thing. It was, um, hard to do. And so that's why we switched to liquid metal back, mm. back. Cause the, the ceramic vendor just gave up back, back yeah. then, the original ones. So yeah, it was, it was difficult. So if, I mean, I guess it, it strikes me, you're not somebody who's, who's put off by a challenge or even what seems insurmountable difficulties in realizing your vision. I mean, you could have walked away from ceramic years ago and gone, well, we're done with that, but you've, you seem to keep coming back for more. And um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's, that's what I have a lot of gray hair now because of stuff, like <laughs> that. but I mean, yeah, that's one of the fun things about this job is, um, always hunting and searching for new and better manufacturers to build our parts to make a better product. Mm. And, um, you know, the more that, that, that allows us to be, um, to design things with more, I don't know, uniqueness and, um, originality because, mm. um, you know, typically our three, again, our 3d models are, are pretty cool and complex and they're hard. These things are hard to make, but very small. And so, you know, and we just, I like looking, you know, co- contacting parts vendors and, and trying to form relationships with them. Um, so am I to understand it correctly that you design an, ear, an earphone in a, in software essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all, then, yeah. And then, but, but then do you have an idea of the, the materials you and then the drivers you're going to be u- using at that point, or does it sort of come together bit by bit? It comes together sort of bit by bit. What we tip, what we like to do is um, get samples of ma- many different materials, mm. and then depending on the look, the feel, the sound of that material's um, performance, we we pick that material. So mm. it's you know we and also cost is also of course part of the equation because some of these materials you just can't make. Um, in the shapes that we have, so right. Difficult. But ceramic is superior. I, I love ceramic. It it's quite unusual because I you know I've been listening to these two new models, the Dorado twenty twenty, Vega twenty twenty, for the last couple of weeks, and I don't know whether it's the ceramic shell or the inclusion of the dynamic driver that for me makes them a more enjoyable listen mm-hmm. than say your Andromeda, which is the same price as the Dorado twenty twenty, eleven hundred dollars. And in in some instances, I even prefer it to what was previously my favorite campfire earphone, the Ara. So mm. these two new models have kind of really thrown me for a bit of a loop. So is yeah. it is it the yeah. ceramic that I'm really digging, or is it the inclusion of dynamics? Or yeah, there's actually a couple things at play here with that, and I think mm. you brought up a good point. And um, it's a combination of things. It's the mm. I think the the first thing it is it's the whole uh, cat versus do- I call it cat versus dog thing. I think I've mentioned this to you before in the past, but uh, either you're a cat or a dog, you're a BA person or you're a dynamic driver person. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they yeah. both have their strengths and weaknesses. And um, mm. depending on your you know preference, you would gravitate to one or the other. They both have um, a very unique strength and a very unique weakness. And so it's, it's our job to minimize the weakness and, and sort of accentuate the strength. And those, mm. inherent, those inherent strengths and weaknesses are things that you prefer, and that's what you would gravitate to. And then the other thing at play is the materials of the, how they're how the drivers are situated in the in the earphone and the um, materials that we choose that surround the drivers also mm. are um, make a big difference. So can you tell us a bit about the differences between Dorado 2020 and Vega 2020? Sure. The, the Vega 2020, or excuse me, the, the original Vega was... Um, a uh, slightly smaller dynamic driver is 8.5 millimeter. Mm. So it's pushing a little less air because the, the newer Vega 2020 is a, a 10, 10 millimeter. So yeah. It's pushing a little bit more air. So uh, you're going to get a little bit more better performance out of the larger uh, dynamic driver. In this case, if you go too big, it starts to get not good. So you have to find that kind of sweet spot between um 8.5 and say 14. Huh. That's what we've done. Right. So is it the same dynamic driver in both of the new 2020 Dorado and Vega? Yeah. So it's our sort of our, um, our cornerstone of a lot of our campfire products. It's that uh, ADLC uh, amorphous like diamond carbon coating on the speaker mm. uh, uh, there that um, is something that we developed a long time ago with our speaker vendor who's fantastic, by the way. And uh, we invest a lot of um, effort and um, capital into developing this speaker for Campfire. And mm-hmm. uh, we think it's just the best thing out there right at the moment. So uh, we're sticking with that ADLC driver. It's fantastic. And they both use that. Right. But in the, to, let me get this right, in the Dorado, there's also a balanced armature for the top end is that right yeah so the speakers are a little different the dynamic drivers are a little different between the two so the vega 2020 has a, a full range mm. dynamic driver yeah and the, the uh, dorado has a, a not full range dynamic driver and so uh, it's okay. kind of natural sort of a natural crossover yeah we, we've truncated the high frequency on the dynamic driver so we could let the ba do that do the highs on that's oh, I see. So it rolls off naturally. So there's no crossover yep. to the BA. Yep, yep. And again, uh, you know, Jetfire, we're all about less is more. So less yeah. components, less trickery, less. You know, let the. I, I, th- I look at the drivers as like racehorses. You know, you let the racehorses run free. Don't put mm. like a bunch of crap on them. Don't put a, a a jockey on it. Don't put a a cart on it. Let them run free. And you know, that's you know, the less is more approach. Um, kind of our, our thing less less stuff in the signal path always better so can you i mean if it's not a, a dumb question <laughs> you know why did you decide to, to make two different um earphones based upon the you know this the same shell with you know one just having a dynamic uh, that runs full range and then one going not a full range dynamic with a a high driver ba to kind of just take it the rest of the way yeah, so this is where I go back to it's a, sort of my job to minimize the inherent weakness of uh, a particular um, driver 
And, mm. and conversely, I tried to accentuate the positives, the inherent positives of a driver. And so mm. then I found, uh, empirically, I found that um, dynamic drivers uh, sort of excel at mid and low frequencies mm -hmm. really well. I think better than BAs. So what do I want to do? I want to put a dynamic driver on the mid and low. And then mm. conversely, I found that dynamic drivers don't do high frequency very well or can't do in many cases the extension that I, that you need. Yes. Yeah. And so um, that's where we had a, a BA because BAs do that really well. They don't, mm. I feel that they don't do mid and low that great, but they do do high frequencies very well. And so that's mm. where we want to do a, um, a hybrid. Now, on the other hand, um, a full range dynamic driver has some things that are, um, I think, uniquely exceptional in that there's, uh, there's, of course, there's no, there's no crossover points, whether you mm. have a crossover, active, act passive crossover or not. So there is some beauty in this, as you know from speakers. There's some, there's something about a full range single dynamic driver, and so right, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the hybrid. Actually, I, I mean, I mean, I know that I've sort of waxed lyrical about my enthusiasm for the uh, the Polaris two in the last couple of years, which is also a hybrid, I believe. Yeah. Um, and but that, and I need to make this clear to listeners as well is that. that these new models are not really like the Polaris 2. I mean, you wouldn't say the Dorado 2020 being a hybrid is, is kind of close to the Polaris 2. Yeah. It's a very, very different sound. And I would say it's pitched somewhere between the Polaris 2 and the Andromeda um, yep. 2020. You know, like it's it's more resolving. It doesn't quite have that really big, like almost like goosed bottom end. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, like we... I mean, for me, like, I mean, I can see why people love the Andromeda 2020, and it's it's highly resolving. But when I when I'm listening to a, an all BA IM, I generally find that it's it's a bit thin. It lacks a certain sort of meaty substance. But when I put a, you know, like a, a dynamic, well, any earphone with a dynamic driver somewhere in there, that kind of that meat and that substance comes back. Yeah, I don't know whether that you've you've noticed that or not. Oh or... yeah, I mean the Andromeda is more like a, a studio monitor almost. It's right. Very, very uh, analytical. It's more analytical, more accurate. It's more you know it's got different things that these the the Vega Vega twenty twenty and the Dorado twenty twenty are just super fun. You know, I mean, mm. just really enjoyable. And they have a lot of emotion. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, that's what we were going for, and that's the lineage of those two from the original ones. It's a very emotional earphone. Yeah, but it's not. I would never describe them as romantic, and I don't. I mean that in a you know, the way you voice them. I mean, I know a lot of one of you, what you the work that you do is about taking ingredients and voicing them in a certain way that you know you choose. And obviously, that direction is not always driven by we must have the most accurate and i'm doing the inverted commas with my hands right now most accurate earphone so how do you decide you know when you're sort of not going towards what might be deemed accurate how do you decide where to go with the voicing um on these two we were um uh sort of building upon the, the original ones and because mm. we really like the um sort of the voicing of the original Vega and the original Dorado. And mm. again, it's more, uh, to me, it's a more um, sort of uh, 
uh, emotional invoking sound. Um, mm. It's a little more colored in certain areas, uh, but it's done in a very, um, I think, um, pleasant way that is not uh, objectionable. Mm. And so it's more of an accentuated um, you know, image, I guess you could say. So, but I mean, the voicing is that we wanted it to set to be fun and enjoyable as mm. opposed to super um, studio technical and uh, accurate to um, a degree. Not that, not that these aren't, but I mean, it's just fun here, fun or earphone. Yeah, I guess this, this, this word fun gets, I hear this, this word banded a, a, around quite a bit in headphone circles. Let me put it in and, a different term then. Let me put it in a different yeah. term. Um, think of it as like an analog. Like when you when you pick when you listen to vinyl compared to a hard drive source, there's mm. just something different there. You know, there's there a little is. bit more, a little bit more uh, hair on the beast, if you will. Yes. <laughs> so that's that's what that's what I feel about um, mainly about a hybrid too. Mm. Something that has a, a dynamic driver is a, has a, so it's a more tube like. It's a little fuzzier that it's pleasant. Yeah, I think I, I generally prefer that. Me you know, too. And I, th I don't mean that in just specific to IEMs. I mean that almost across the board. And I was, I was talking to a colleague a couple of weeks ago about this. And to me, and this is a general observation, right? And you'll have to, I'm going to maybe go off a length here, so you have to forgive me. Um, there, there seems to be this obsession at the moment in lowering THD. And I understand why people want to lower it. Obviously, lowering distortion is a good thing for people who like the sound of distortion being lowered. Um, and I say that because there's been a, there have been a few instances where, I'll, I'll give, you, give you an example, right? NAD made a, an amplifier recently called the M33, and it's got this new Class D module in it designed by Bruno Putzis. And it sounds highly resolving, but it doesn't, it's a, it, I kind of liken it to the balanced armature world in that it, to use your analogy, it doesn't have as much hair on the beast as, say, a Hegel H390. But it doesn't end there because I also got a, a topping D10S DAC. It's like a $100 DAC. And I was listening to it back-to-back -back with a shit Modi 3. And the Modi 3 is not as resolving as the the um, the topping, but it, it has more you know hair on the beast than that topping. The topping's a bit thin. Now, I, I've seen measurements for both. And the topping measures better, but it seems to me like the topping, like the NAD, like Andromeda, you know, it might offer lower distortion, but there is something that is traded in 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 getting there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's all, that's high end audio for you. I mean, it's yeah. It's a, for me, it's a, it's a it's like I'm not super you know, into being technical, but to mm. me, I'm super into being like, well, this moved me. Will this right. change my mood? Will this make me uh, um, transport me in time? Will this uh, give me some inspiration? And that's mm. what that's that's what our company is all about. It's like, will this emotionally move you? Does it move you? Does it talk to you? And uh, that's what we're trying to do with these earphones. Is is uh, not lower the THD to you know have a good frequency response or whatever. I mean, no, those things mm. matter. But what, what what we really care about is like, you know, how does it, how does it make you, uh, how does it change you? How does it, you know, improve your life? How does it, you know, take you back in time or, you know, whatever. It's, uh, it's all about 
getting to you emotionally. Mm. I mean, you've said something there that, you know, really kind of rings a, or strikes a chord with me in that you've, you know, talk about music as, or suggesting music as a, as a mind altering thing or substance, you know, a bit like drugs really, you know, and I mean, I mean, I've tried a lot of your earphones over the years and they all, they do have a different approach and they do make, I mean, it's like art, isn't it? You look at a painting and it changes the way you feel. You listen to something, it changes the way you feel. And the way that that music is presented, it's, it's, it's like putting a lens in front of a painting, isn't it? Yeah, sure. It is a lot like, uh, looking at, um, a lot like art. It means something. It means something different to every person too. Mm. So you know, you you may like one model, but not like the other, because one model will, you know, make you, you know, think differently. And to me, I mean, this is I think one reason I keep coming back to your brand of earphones is that you haven't just chased one ideal over the years in terms of sound. You've gone off in different directions. And maybe, I mean, do you, how do you, how do you decide which, I mean, is it an experiment? Is it a desire to experiment, Ken? Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, we, we do a lot of, uh, um, things that normal earphone companies would never do. And I think mm. that is, um, part of our strength is that we don't come at it from a very classical, uh, point of view. We come at mm. it as more of a, um, uh, let's experiment as much as we can to try to find something different to give to our customers because mm. we don't want to be like uh, our competitors. We want to be completely different from our competitors, both in design, look, feel, and sound. And what we what we really genuinely want to do is move our customers uh, emotionally um, mm. with our products, and not. That's why I don't, that's why I'm so um, so like not really into all the technical measuring and all the, you know, people fighting on the forum over all, all the numbers <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. I mean, th- those things do matter and they are, they are very important. But to me, what, what matters most is um, how can I, and, you know, you know, change the way that you look at your world and mm. how can I inspire, help inspire people um, or, you know, just get through the day or whatever, you know, or, um, enjoy, we just want people to really enjoy our products and we want them to be completely different from, from our competitors. And so mm. and the way you do that is by doing things, um, completely different from the ground up. And, um, so, I mean, you must, you must measure your headphones as you're developing them, right? Of course. And that, right. and that's where measurement is. For me, measurement is um, super, super important because mm. in our process, because our my process is uh, basically I just um, throw something at the wall and see which way, see which way it goes. And if it goes in the direction that I want, then I keep doing whatever it is that I did to the point where I like it. And the only way that you can know where you're at is via measuring and then listening. And so the measuring is super critical for the iterative that super iterative process yes. of shaping the sound that you want. Mm. So that's, we do, we do a lot of that. But at some point, I mean, do, do you measure right into the end or, do, I mean, is, is final voicing done by ear or? It's, it's, it's both, but um, a lot of it is, is um, the, um, the measuring 
is really important for kind of getting you in the end zone. Once mm. you get sort of into the frequency response end zone, yeah. that measurements stop to be effective because I strongly feel that measuring is super truncated. It's super um, uh, uh, blunt. Yes. Uh, the frequency response does not tell you um, um, really that much in terms of super high end. Uh, your ear is far more um, sensitive to mm. changes than, than, a, than a microphone. And so you have to, when you, once you're in the end zone, then you got to listen. You got to listen right. very carefully. And this is where um, it's super critical to, to listen and know where you're at and then make adjustments based off of listening to, to make the product uh, as best as it can be. You can't, measurement is super, it's like very blunt. So you'd say, you, you know, you measure 90% of the way, but the final 10% is done by ear. Pretty much, yes. Yeah, Yeah. right. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I know you mentioned people like sort of fighting over numbers on forums, but I, I've, I've sort of come to the conclusion that people tend to do that because, well, they, they, they gravitate towards numbers on lots of things, whether it's like sample rates or THD or frequency response graphs. And they do so because it gives them something to talk about yeah. in lieu of having heard that item. So when they've not heard it, the only thing they've got to go on is numbers, essentially. Yeah, no, um, because, I don't want to like, you know, get in trouble by, you know, crashing people. On the, with no, no, I'm not. No, I'm, or, not, uh, I'm not saying, not saying you are. But. Yeah, for me, it's like, a, you know, t t people tend to perseverate on the numbers. And, mm. um, and while it, it is fun to look at um, a lot of the data, frequency response, kind of geek out, um, just think that um, for me, it's more important to to have some, um, you know, more more um, emotion and sort of uh, grit in the in the final product mm. that goes beyond the numbers. Let me, let me ask you one more question. Just the final question about measurements, though, because you know all of your earphones sound to me wildly different. Like it's quite it's quite amazing to think they all come from the same um, house, if you like, mm -hmm. but do they, you know, if you look at the frequency response graphs of all of them, do they look wildly different on paper? They do. And we, we recognize that, you know, not one size is going to fit everyone. Not mm. one size is going to fit everyone. So what we do try to do is um, create different genres of, um, of products that will speak to many different people. For instance, you brought up the Polaris. The Polaris is mm -hmm. a real specialist, a real specialist It does certain things incredibly well, but mm -hmm. that may speak to you or may not. And I like that because I want to take what somebody would like and push it to the limit so that mm. they have, they have uh, something special, you know? And mm. so that's, that's one of the things that we try to do is have different flavors. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and, and well, until the Dorado 2020 and Vega 2020 came along, for, for me, it's sort of, below the Andromeda, it was the Polaris that spoke to me the most, more than the IO or the Comet. Not that those things are bad, but like the Polaris. And I'll quote John Tejada, who's an electronic musician in LA that I interviewed recently. I mean, he said it sounds like a club. And he's absolutely bang on with that. I mean, and I guess somebody who DJs all the time, you know, I'm not on about somebody who DJs at his brother's wedding. I'm on about like proper yeah. proper events. You know, he's, you know, he's, I guess you would call it, loosely call him famous. So, um, you know, he loves those Polaris, absolutely loves them. And, and we've spoken about them a lot, 
you know, just off off air, if you like. Um, so I was kind of not distressed, but I had did have one reader email me going, oh my God, John, I can't buy a pair of Polaris 2 anymore because Campfire are not selling them for whatever reason. But this is not the end of the Polaris line, though, is it? Uh, because the, the Polaris is a, it is a, um, as being a very good specialist, which it is, mm. uh, we like that, that niche that the Polaris has cut out because mm-hmm. people really, really love it or they yes. hate it. And um, <laughs> yes. I like, you know, I like that because I want to cater to the people that really, really love it. And, and um, if I have like five or six different models that, that um, you feel so strongly about. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to make those. Mm. So, but the sound of the Polaris is something that we're gonna try to continue to. to right. So it's 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 kind of a, a goose bottom end and a fairly thick mid range. And I won't say it's not, it's not extended up top, but it's not the most resolving earphone in the universe, is it? No, but it's got a um, a certain type of low end that is um, it's huge, but it's not mm-hmm. like super flabby you know so it's very uh we we've sort of made the polaris so that it's not boomy but it is got a very healthy but very detailed um sort of low end Mm. it's kind of a it's an interesting model for sure you know you talk about you know wanting to change the way people feel or hear so if you know if i want to feel like i've got a sort of club situation when I'm walking around the city or I'm, I'm on my bike in the park, I have to stress in the park because I don't want people to think I listen to earphones while cycling in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I can choose the Polaris for the lens for that kind of music, but then if I want to go and listen to something a bit prettier and a bit more sort of acoustic or whatever, or completely the other way, I would pick the IO because that seems to have that kind of real sort of, um, caffeinated or over caffeinated clarity in the sort of upper <laughs> mids, lower treble, you know. Yes. And I, 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 I mean, this is, this is it still amazes me that I can, you know, you guys can make s- such um, different sounding earphones. And then, I mean, I guess the Dorado and the, the new Dorado and Vega sound more similar than different. I'm still trying to separate them and also trying to pick which one I prefer, not which one is best, but which one I prefer. But uh, they do have a certain flavor, like that dynamic driver, that big, punchy, slightly warm, slightly thick. And I say, I have to emphasize a slightly here. Um, but, you know, I would recommend people listen to those if possible before they go to the Andromeda, because they might find this is exactly what they're after. Yeah. You know, especially if you like open baffle speakers or, you know, if you like that sort of Klipsch or JBL sound, you know, in, in the loudspeaker world, mm-hmm. I think you know, the new, your new hybrid and dynamic might suit that kind of person. I don't know. Mm. I mean, I mean, do you, do you, do you ever do this, Ken? Do you ever listen to loudspeakers and go, oh, I wish I could make a pair of earphones like this? Uh, we, we tried to make earphones sound like two channel speakers. Yes. Mm. That's, that was sort of the Solaris's um, sort of impetus there to try to make mm. that sound like a two channel speaker, but it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just completely different technology really. I mean, it's so much, so different but yeah it's um earphones are completely different but and what about your full-size headphones are you still tracking along with those yeah we had we had some real real tough uh manufacturing part issues with the cascade 
And mm-hmm. we finally resolved it. So it is, you know, back in stock. But unfortunately, we had a lot of start and stops with the Cascade. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful earphone. And um, we are still making them. We finally got the parts issue solved. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, if you get a chance to try the Cascade, please do. I mean, is this something you come up against quite a lot, Ken? Is you know, in, I mean, you've, you've talked about your frustrations with um, finding vendors for um, ceramic ear shells. I mean, do yeah. you, you know, because you, because you're trying to really push the limits, I think, of what what you know what's possible from different yeah. materials and different. Do you find that you know you always hitting these walls or these stumbling blocks or these you know supply yes. chain issues? It's particularly tough for a, a company like Campfire Audio or any like really high end audio company, the volumes are very low on the mm. grand scale of things. Mm. We're not like Sony where you're you know making you know, sure huge numbers. So we we you know when we walk into a manufacturing company to build a part and they're like, well how many do you need you know 50, 50 million of these parts? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> many. So uh, it's tough. It's tough to make small runs of uh, very, very fancy high-end parts um, mm. so there's lots of challenges and does that blow out your bill of materials because you're not buying as many of those well, components our stuff is so expensive it's like the parts cost a lot it's very difficult to to make these things and we don't you know we're we're a high-end earphone company we don't move you know 10 million widgets mm. so it's, yeah it's challenges there that, that sort of that sector that brand is very difficult we want, you know, we want like, um, you know, satellite parts basically for, you know, where they're not super expensive and you're not building a whole mm. bunch of them. It's a very high pitch part that we're making with very high end materials. So it's tough to do. Mm. Yeah. And you also, I mean, with the, the previous set of new models, you moved into that internal boot that allows you to align drivers better inside the earphone and that, is that 3d printed am i right yeah, yeah 3d printer is a huge part of our of our uh, sort of our secret sauce because mm. we use the we use the 3d um printer as sort of a tuning sort of uh tool if you will right because, because the cool thing about a 3d printer is that you can do all these uh internal tubes and chambers and tricks Mm. They're acoustic uh, tricks inside the inside the uh, the earphone, and so it's a tuning it's a tuning thing, as well as a manufacturing aid. So we do right. We do do a lot of three D modeling with the boot. Yeah, and is 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 that what gave way to your? And I, I, you have to forgive me. I still don't understand how your tuned acoustic expansion chamber works on a high driver. I don't. Could you uh, could just indulge me one more time, Kane? Sure, could you explain to me again? Too, too nerdy, but it's it's technically what's called a Helmholtz resonator, mm. which is a process of um, you're just you're amplifying certain frequencies, and that's what that that uh, that little box does that we that we've developed on the high drive. Right, and that allows you to improve the extension of the driver. Is that what it does? Yeah. And not only the extension, but also the amplitude, so that it's a little, there's more sensitivity and extension. Ah, uh, okay. And we had to do that because um, I, I, I feel that VAs need to need to kind of evolve a little bit more, but at the moment they're not. Right. So 
having to do all kinds of like crazy, like um, interesting, creative um, sort of tricks, so not tricks, but like methods to improve the the output of these PAs. And we do that via 3D, 3D technology, 3D printing tech. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting, I'm getting the feeling that you're sort of leaning more towards a, a sort of a dynamic driver future for, for campfire. Or I mean, well, am I pigeonholing you too much with that? Yeah, I think so. Because um, I think there's some, a place for like, again, cat and dog, you know, there's, mm. you may hate, not like the sound of a dynamic driver or, and you may preference your likes on what a BA sounds like, and you'll go with Andromeda because it's all BA. And so we want to cater to everyone, but mm. we don't want to do it in a generalized way. We want to cater to everyone in a very specific way that mm. that you know meets your goal. And so using those two technologies will do that. And that's why I I am happy that you you um, express that our earphones all sound different. Because uh, that, that's a compliment. Really. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's the number one thing I tell people that when they say, well, why do you like Campfire so much? You go, because everything sounds wildly different. Yeah. And so, you you know, when you come out with a new model, you don't really know what you're going to get. So it's like, you know, a box of chocolates at Christmas, you know, you just don't quite, you'd never know until you try it yourself. And then, you know, sometimes it's probably not, I mean, the IO is not my kind of thing. I like it and I can see why other people like it. Mm-hmm. But I don't love it as much as I like the Polaris too. Mm-hmm. So that's that's me, right? But I, I'm obviously I'm not everybody else. Yeah. But I do wonder because I mean I know you and I have you know seen each other quite often in Japan, and, and I know you travel far more than I do. Or certainly did before <laughs> Corona here. <laughs> and yeah. I miss Japan so much at the moment. Oh, I mean, not able to travel. Oh my god, it's Japan so much. <laughs> travel again someday. Yeah, but I was—I wanted to ask you: Do you see sort of regional variations in in preferences and, and preferences for your different kind of flavors, if you like? I mean, or is I, it? I don't have any like you know data on that, but I think so. You know, I mm. think a slight regional you know preferences, but generally not. I mean, everyone is so different that all of our models find a home all over. Mm. So. Um, it's just like clothes, you know. Why would you wear the same clothes over and over to try different things? One day I want the, so I'll listen to the Solaris, and the next day, you know, I'm dying to listen to the Andromeda. So it's it's just yeah, yeah variety. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. I mean, I guess I, I find myself in a very privileged position, and I have to acknowledge this. You know that I do have through your generosity access to you know your pretty much the entire range of campfires so i get to hear them all and can say confidently you know how they compare reasonably confidently how they can pair to each other sonically you know but right and i mean that's why it's such a drag that you know we we had a pretty robust show circuit prior to the pandemic mm. and that's why that you know we did that because we want people to come to our t- i don't know if you've been to our table right it's pretty cool because we have mm. everything laid out and you can mm. try Thing. And it really is like a, a boutique of like, you know, all different flavors and you figure out what you like and there you go. Um, so it's a real bummer that the shows aren't happening. So I really look forward to getting back to the shows and this coming to Germany and doing that show. That was a fantastic show there where you're at. Yeah, the Munich event is, is oh, very, very good. It's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's I remember, yeah, it was, wasn't it 2018 where you were the one of the only, I think you, you were the... I could be wrong about this, but I'm going to go out on a limb. Were you the only exhibitor 
in in like the main hall areas to have or was it 2019 where you had a stand and you were the only exhibitor just showing IEMs you were the yeah, only, I, I think so I think that I was, think you were it's because of um Thomas our, our distributor there is fantastic and mm. he brought in us and Meze and we, yeah we, we, we had a our full full stack of stuff there along with them mm. and, and it was great because as you know in, in Germany, it's a little less, more headphone, less IEM. Yeah, yes. They were, yes. Just, they were loving it that year. It was like a breath of fresh air. When we were so busy, it was great. You know, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know how much you've traveled here, but, you know, when I lived in Australia, there were, I mean, Addicted to Audio was a store I'd go to and I could listen to a whole range of earphones and headphones. Um, but that, you know, that kind of, and also then you've got people, places like Zeppelin in Singapore, and then you've got e-earphone in Tokyo. And so you have these sort of, I don't know whether there's anything like this in London, but here there is nothing headphone wise, store wise, where you can go and sample stuff. I think, um, I think our distributor, I think he opened up a store recently. I have to double check with that, but yeah, you're right. Really? There isn't like, yeah, check with Thomas. He opened up a store store um there where he's uh, i think it's in heidelberg i think I'll have to okay it. but he sent me a picture of it, it looked awesome I'm like holy crap that's that's your store and it looked great but there isn't like a giant yeah you're right like a like a earphone where it's just like the internet mm. it's, it's like everything i mean this is one thing i come up against quite a lot when people say to me okay john it's, it's great that you're enthused about these things and it's great also that you tell us to go and try these things for ourselves but how can we do that? I mean, it's it's yeah. it's 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 difficult, isn't it? When you're you know you're selling, I mean, because you're selling through a distributor retail retailer channels mostly, I would think, <clears throat> and so you're relying on those channels to provide the audition experience, and also the, there's a hygiene, there's a whole hygiene thing that the Japanese seem to have nailed, yeah. but it seems to have eluded a lot of the rest of the world. I don't know. Yeah, you have to have a, a big population center to have a, a very centralized store where you could try this mm. yeah we have you know new york has has a couple but uh we tried as you know we had a store in portland i had a headphone store yeah yeah Here's a, it just didn't work because there's just not just not enough people people would come and try things and then go buy them on amazon right so okay a little bit more difficult. yeah i guess japan is fairly unique in that respect isn't it because people do seem to respect the um the sort of physical experience and i guess they sure do I mean, is it I mean, even internet purchases are probably not as big as a, as a percentage of all retail as they are, say, in Europe or the USA. I'm, I'm guessing on that one, but it's quite possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ken Ball, thank you so much for taking the time today to chat. Um, I appreciate that, and I, I know you're up, a, you know, on a very busy schedule, and I'm I'm sure you're dying to get back to. <laughs> Can I see what's happened with the with the election count? Playing video <laughs> games in COVID world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as well. I really, yeah, I really appreciate you having me, and I look forward to seeing you again someday, John. One of these indeed. Days. I hope so. I hope so too, Ken. Yeah. You've been listening to the Darko Audio Podcast with John Darko and Campfire Audios Ken Ball. This episode was produced by Nick McCorston and music came from Ben Pitt.